my name's Kyle Rudder. Welcome to Chatting Markets. We've got plenty to, to talk about today. A little later on, I'll have David Song and Thomas Wilson with me giving a bit of a market wrap on everything that's going on. We have US-China trade talks this week and really the global growth outlook right now very much hinges on how those trade talks evolve over this week and, and coming weeks. We had some shocking US PMI data released that really showed the effects of high trade barriers on the manufacturing industry in the United States and it's leading to these calls of an economic slowdown in the US and that the US Federal Reserve will have to immediately um, and aggressively cut interest rates to combat that. So we'll go through those factors, even touch on the RBA very briefly. We had an interest rate cut last week, threw in a little bit of a spanner into the works um, in their commentary talking now that they're having to cut interest rates to keep up with the race to the bottom um, driven by global central bankers right now had a fear that the currency will appreciate if they don't follow cutting cycle of the ECB, the Fed and the BOJ eventually uh, as well. And then we'll have a very special insight a little later on with Tom Wilson just sitting down he and I about trader psychology. I know people listening out there, uh, some are new traders, some are more established traders. Uh, we've either experienced the difficulties in getting into trading and understanding where we're at with the whole process, um, but also just trying as experienced traders, keeping on top of things, um, sticking to things like your strategy, cutting through the noise in the market, not getting too distracted, and all the risks that come along with that. We'll be going through that too. So we've got a big episode today. We'll be uh, going through all of those particular issues in two or three months going into the back end of the year, which could be both exciting and also very volatile. So I'm sitting here with David Song and Tom Wilson again. How are you guys? Fantastic. Good to hear. Good to hear. David, how are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, no stress. Now, we'll get straight into it because it's been about a month since we spoke last, you and I, David. Uh, maybe a little more with uh, Tom included because yep. you're always busy and the desk's been busy naturally through a volatile August yes. and September. Um but we just want to touch on a few themes that are driving the markets at the moment. I might throw, Dave, this to you just to start with, particularly as it relates to trading opportunities. But we're this week sitting here preparing for trade talks. We had a fortnight or so ago um, the Fed meeting, maybe a little bit more than that. We also had the RBA cutting rates last week. Everything right now is about trade discussions, uncertainty about trade. We had the PMI numbers showing last week out of the US that it's coming up in the data now, finally. Um, maybe just give us a bit of an overview, Dave, of what's going on right now and, and how markets are responding to this because um, volatility's been high um, and uncertainty's there. Um, and, that's, and that seems to really be what's, um, what's driving price action right now. Yeah, we did get the back-to-back rate cuts from the Federal Reserve, but you know, when we take a look at the statement and what we're seeing within the central bank is this sort of growing dissent, if you will. We saw St. Louis Fed President James Bullard vote for actually a 50 base point reduction. Uh, Kansas City Fed President Esther George, along with Boston Fed President Mr. Eric Rosengren, they actually wanted to keep the benchmark interest rate on hold. So, you know, we'll see how this will evolve going forward. But I think that's sort of one of the main focus right now, that there is this divine at the central bank. And, you know, not only are we seeing that there, but, you know, is that the same case for the European Central Mm -hmm. Bank after we saw that sort of bazooka-style stimulus package coming out of the euro area? So for now, I think that is causing some confusion. But, you know, as you mentioned, Kyle, I think this week's focus is going to largely revolve around, you know, what sort of discussions we see between U.S. as well 
well as China officials, and more so, you know, how will that impact not only the monetary policy outlook, but really the macro outlook from where we sit? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, just to bring you into it, Tom, really quickly, just to get the client perspective on things, because we've seen the story shift and change a little bit, and it's it's what you might consider. And we'll talk about this later. Actually, a very headline-driven market. I mean, it's, you know, ultimately, it's noise day to day when when you see these kind of things happen, because because markets just like to chase the headlines. A bit of headline bingo, as I've heard mm. it being called. Um, but what's it like being on the phones talking to clients in this sort of period where it's a lot of information overload and, and, and a lot of noise um, from, from um, you know, the financial media in particular. Yeah, and there's also a lot of noise from uh, such players as uh, POTUS, so yes. Donald Trump. Yes, yes, um, yes. And he's one of more the uh, unpredictable yeah. bits of that noise. Well, apparently broke his, just sorry as an aside, mm. broke his record for tweeting last month. I really? think it was 800 tweets, 500 of those was uh, his own tweets as well, shared 300. So. Yep. Good point. It's, there's plenty of noise coming from that guy. I mean, there was really a really good tweet. I would love to read it out, but I mm. can't, don't have it on me. But basically, uh, him talking himself up for the Syria-Turkey uh, conflict that's right. uh, on the horizon. Yeah. Um, something like, uh, you know, I am the greatest or I am the best. Oh, uh, yes. In my uh, Something to do with his eternal wisdom. or That's it. Yeah. Something, yeah un, unma- unmatched wisdom. Unmatched wisdom. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. So... Yeah. Surprisingly, um, I get a lot of clients will talk to me over the phone and mm. say that uh, either, you know, it's great Donald Trump with his announcements, I really can uh, benefit off those trades. Trade the volatility. Yeah, yeah. trade yeah. the volatility. Uh, yeah. Or they'll turn around and say, um, you know, what's this guy doing? What's his plan? He's, he's mm. stopped me yeah. out. But in saying that, there's a lot of clients still that will hop on, uh, have a broader-based idea of what they're doing mm. in terms of uh, the economic outlook and events that are coming up and mm. the Daily FX website, I use that daily myself, hence yeah. the name, I take it. Yeah, but it's, yeah, um, yeah. it's not, so it's not prescription. just FX, yeah. prescription, what the doctor ordered. Mm. But I go to the uh, economic calendar and I see what's yeah. happening. Yeah. And a lot of clients, if they've got a longer-term strategy, mm-hmm. so maybe trade on a larger time frame, yeah. um, they tend to have a lot more... Uh, clarity around mm. what's happening long term with those trends, mm-hmm. and they can factor in these uh, events that, you know, luckily they do have them here advertised about what's likely to happen. Yeah, yeah. But okay. um, it's a mixture. From what my experience is of the people I talk to, there's some that are uh, benefiting quite well, mm-hmm. and then there's other bits of noise that come out and uh, unfortunately. Uh, you know, turn the trade the wrong way for the client. Okay, yeah, I can imagine that would be a, a pretty common one at the moment. Dave, just back to you because I wanted to touch on just a comment that you made there that I think feeds into a little bit of that um, discussion around central bank thinking um, and the possible path for rates for, for the Fed, but also perhaps the RBA as well. So I think what was interesting about the RBA actually recently, and we can touch on that as well a little further in a minute, is that they're starting to hitch their wagon to what other central banks are doing around the globe. Basically, they're being forced to cut rates because everyone else is. They're worried about what the currency will do. Um, but you spoke just before about some of the division, um, almost philosophical division, occurring um, on these, well, the ECB and the Fed in particular, um, around what the role should be of the Fed. Should it be um, a, an institution that gets ahead of the data when there is uncertainty, like Powell's basically put it, that you cut as you know mid-cycle adjustments and, and as risk management tools, or ones that should be a little bit more traditional in, in, in their mandate and responding to, to um, the data in terms of what's happening in, in, in price growth but uh, and, and in the labour market as well. 
first and foremost, we're starting to see, um, you know, small cracks potentially showing up in the U.S. economy. Um, that was shown in the in the PMI figures. Business conditions are, are really starting to deteriorate over there. One, do you think that this data now that it's showing up um, quite tangibly will shift those more hawkish members of the Fed? Let's say the ECB because they're in a different boat. Um, and in the bigger picture as well, I mean, what do you think this says about the role of central banks going through this, you know, the end of this cycle? Yeah, I mean, we got to remember that these central banks, their policy or the policy horizon that they look at is anywhere between two to three years. So, you know, they try to set policy today and incorporate, you know, what's going to materialize again over the next 18, 24 months, things of that nature. Mm. But if you still look at, you know, what the Fed is projecting coming out of the summary of economic projections, you know, they did boost, raised it up a little bit, but they are looking for 2.1% annual rate of growth this year. And even if you're watching some of the gauges that actually coming out of the Federal Reserve, namely the Atlanta Fed GDP Now model, we did see some downward revisions following uh, the dismal data prints that we saw last week, but they're still calling for 1.8% rate of growth for the third quarter of this year. So a little bit off target, right? We, we Fed officials are looking for 2.1% rate of growth, but not off by too much. And more so than anything, you know, if you're looking at a lot of the commentary, especially from Fed officials, uh, you know, they're really looking for the U.S. consumer to lead economic activity. So, you know, we do see some of the weakness in business sentiment. Uh, again, we'll see how that will fare going forward, especially if we do get some meaningful developments in terms of the U.S.-China trade talks. But for now... Taking a look at the non-farm payrolls report last week, where we did see uh, not, the numbers come out a little bit shy of expectations, uh, but for now, I think you know that's where the Fed will continue to look at. I think that's where their large focus is: is how well the U.S. consumer is holding up, and again, will that continue to be the case over the course of this year? So for now, I think uh, you know we'll see how market expectations expectations will fare. Fed funds futures have certainly moved over the last couple of days following mm-hmm. this data. Now they're projecting a greater than 70% probability for another 25 base point reduction uh, on October 30th. So for now, you know, these gauges tend to move a lot. These expectations do get swayed, you know, based on data, based on headlines. So we'll see how that will fare. But, you know, for now, taking a look at what the Fed has projected, they're still looking for the benchmark interest rate to be around one and a half, one and three quarter percent all the way through 2020. Uh, so it looks as though even if they do in fact deliver another rate cut at the end of this month, you know, what does that mean for the future path of monetary policy, right? Have they reached or are they on their path to concluding this rate easing cycle, unlike some of their major counterparts? And, you know, as you mentioned, Kyle, RBA, we got fresh record low official cash rate. Not only did we get the rate cut, but, you know, if you look at the statement, they Mm. continue to endorse this dovish forward guidance for monetary policy, suggesting that they still have room to cut. So, again, is the RBA, do they still have some more room before they ultimately reach the lower bounds for the official cash Mm. rate? So that's the way I'm looking at the markets right now. And we won't get the next update from Fed officials until December. You know, so we'll continue to watch the data. Chairman Powell continues to relay this message that, you know, the future path of monetary policy really relies on where the economy is headed. So as long as we see this sort of Goldilocks economy, right, where the data is not too good, but it's not too bad. You know, I think that may, again, endorse, especially the Fed hawks, you know, like uh, Mr. Rosengren and like Ms. Esther George to retain the current policy as, again, the picture is not too bad at the moment. And of course, if we do see some meaningful developments in terms of the U.S. trade war with China, you know, that might actually give the Fed a signal that maybe they should take more of a relaxed approach, if you will, uh, than jumping the gun here. Yeah, okay. Uh, just in, in, in light of those comments and, and just taking it back to maybe um, the, the tradables in the market right now uh, in terms of opportunities, 
I mean, uh, I'll throw this first to you, Dave, and then Tom, get your input on it as well, just for your perspective. Um, but looking at the markets that are that are moving right now and the ones that are probably the most contentious, interesting to trade, I want to start with the US dollar because you're starting to see these divisions now, I suppose, in the commentariat where on the one hand, you know, you and this, this often happens in these situations, obviously, is that there are those saying, no, the dollar uh, is still king. Um, the safe haven liquidity drive that uh, comes about when, when risk sentiment is relatively low or, or volatility is high, uncertainty, as we were calling it before, is high. That's going to keep the, the, the US dollar well supported. Others saying, well, no, this, this just indicates that the Fed's on a rate cutting cycle and the dollar's had its day. A bit of a view on what's going on the, with the US dollar, guys. And again, I'll start with Dave. And then also maybe uh, US stocks, S&P 500, highly correlated right now um, with indices across the world. You know, you could say that we've even potentially seen a bit of a double top for, for now on the uh, on the S&P 500. Um, and then even something like gold as well, because gold's still an interesting one. Dave, do you have um, a few views with, with what you've just discussed before and maybe some of those markets as, as they uh, as they go for tradable opportunities right now? Yeah, we briefly talked about this in the Masterclass webinar yesterday. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's the sort of thing that caught my eye last week where, you know, throughout the course of 2019, we saw this sort of dynamic in the markets, if you will, where if we got bad data, below forecast data, you know, we would tend to see this risk on environment, if you will, as market participants were speculating that, oh, we should get more monetary stimulus, things of that nature. But, you know, when we got those dismal prints last week out of the U.S., that really wasn't the case, was it? And we saw a bit of a spill in equity prices. And that's where, you know, for the remainder of the year, are we seeing maybe a change in market behavior, a change in some of these market dynamics where, you know, unlike what we saw where, again, we get bad data, fuel speculation for additional monetary stimulus. But I don't think that has really become the case, especially the way we opened up the month of October. And on the back of that, you know, when we take a look at what happened with the U.S. dollar, yes, it is under a bit of pressure over the last couple of days. But, you know, if you take a look at what happened, the U.S. dollar did make fresh yearly highs, you know, in September. It's doing that in October right now, although we're getting a small pullback. But, you know, this is the broader dynamic that I think we need to watch is, you know, we got to keep in mind that we've seen U.S. Treasury yields back under pressure. But what does that mean, right? We know prices as well as the yield, they work inversely. So mm-hmm. that means U.S. Treasury prices are going up and just simple supply and demand rules, right? Meaning that if we're seeing higher price, greater demand. But, you know, let's not forget, what do you need to buy U.S. Treasuries, right? You need the U.S. dollar, right? Mm-hmm. So is that a fundamental sort of thing that we need to keep in mind? And also, on the back of everything that's going on right now, we have to remember that U.S. yields or U.S. interest rates are higher than its major counterparts like Europe, especially as we saw the ECB you know, continue to push that deposit rate in negative territory. Uh, we'll see how far the RBA will go. Same sort for the Reserve Bank of New Zealand. Seems like they're not done, especially with the rate easing cycle. So you know, as we're seeing interest rates or this falling interest rate environment, if we continue to see the Fed retain their current projections, continue to say that we're going to see U.S. rates bottom out right around that one and a half, one and three quarters percent. You know, what is that ultimately going to do in terms of, especially for these market participants, these global investors that are looking for return? Mm, mm, terrific. Tom, can I chuck it over to you just for, for an import as well on, on all that stuff? Yeah, um, I mean, I like currencies myself. Mm. Um, I've got a, I should, full disclosure here, I've got a vested interest of Aussie dollar going up. Um, on the basis that I'm going on holiday in uh, November. (laughs) So, um, but, you know, unfortunately, like looking at the chart, to me, it it doesn't seem the case. Like it seems Mm. like it's in a very strong downward trend. Yeah. Um, Like a horizontal line that I've drawn there myself 
Um, you know, I've got it sitting at like 66, 70. And as Dave touched on yesterday in the trading masterclass, everyone has their own special way they like to draw their trend lines. So yeah. that's what I guess keeps it quite unique. But yeah. I, f- I feel that from a technical analysis perspective or background that the med- a lot of people in the market tend to have their numbers or lines around the similar areas. So that's what mm. gives it importance to me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And on that basis, I still see, um, you know, the Aussie dollar trending downward in that direction and yeah. perhaps even getting to that 66, uh, 70 that I feel is important. And uh, yeah. I think that'll be tested around there. Yeah, yeah. So that grind lower should continue to cap to, to happen. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so I'm keeping an eye on some of the Aussie crosses as well. So yeah. on the platform, like, you know, Aussie uh, Kiwi. Yeah. Um, Aussie Yen must head. be a good yeah, one at the moment, right? That's yeah. the other one. The yes. ultimate risk barometer. Yeah. Risk growth. Terrific. That's a great chat, and it's going to be a very relevant one for the trade talks that we have this week. So mm-hmm. we'll uh, make sure you keep your, your eyes and ears peeled for that because these themes can um, can only change on what comes out of that, um, or can only obviously um, you know continue to, to compound, if you will. Um, so that's going to be very significant. Um, just before we we wrap up our sort of market summary chat and overview, you mentioned it before, guys. Monday nights. Every Monday so far, practically, and hopefully for as long as uh, it's uh, allowed to go. You two are doing webinars. Um, what did you chat on just the other day very quickly, and, and what are we um, hoping to, to chat about potentially next week, um, given what's coming up in the in the market? Well, obviously, just watching what's happening in overall markets. Mm-hmm. One thing that we continue to look at is the monthly opening range, especially for a lot of these benchmark equity indices where it worked out fairly well in the month of August, same story for September. And that's the one thing that I'm watching right now, especially as we've, you know, kind of going through the first couple of days of October, you know, what does this monthly opening range mean? Will some of these market dynamics continue to develop and evolve over the remainder of the year more so you know next monday i think we'll do more of a recap of you know the aftermath of Mm. the u.s china trade talks Uh, we'll see what sort of opportunities will come about maybe we'll see some volatility pick up uh but that's pretty much going to be the focus of next week big focus right Mm. okay so tune into that one and two tom yeah you often um talk through the platform and other tools as well um, Monday, what did you talk through? Um, yeah, so there's been a really big push here at IG um, from clients applying for the professional accounts. Right. Um, and I was running through on the platform at least some of the benefits for that, um, such as Real Vision, which is a, I love calling it Netflix for traders because it's mm. exactly that. Rolls off the tongue, doesn't oh, it? Oh, it does. And there's um, such there's been some really good videos on there the other day. Um, like the topic that uh, uh, Dave and I were talking about, there was a video done um just with uh, Jim Rogers talking about China, right. challenge and opportunity. Someone like, you know, on the know, a great yeah, background yeah, as an yeah, investor. Really rich understanding of the world. Exactly. And um, yeah, we're just going through like the professional clients get the uh, top tier real vision. Yeah. Uh, I think it's such a great resource, but I'm always open to providing more info, especially if we mm. get uh, questions from clients, uh, whether on the webinars or this podcast as well. Yeah. If you ever want me to run through something, just let me know. Um, happy to do it. Absolutely. So reach out. Make sure we, we've got um, on IG Academy that um, uh, podcast and the series of podcasts that's already re- been recorded next week as well. A lot of stuff around the trade talks. Um, so make sure you tune into that. That's um, you know people are getting a lot out of it. But uh, guys, just for that little segment, thanks for for chatting markets. Um, Tom, I'll talk to you a little bit more in a bit. But um, guys, let's see how we go with trade talks this week. And again, make sure uh, everybody tune into their webinar because it's absolutely fantastic. 
So Tom Wilson, sitting down, I wanted to almost interview a little bit today um, because as many of our loyal listeners would know, Mm. um, you have an interest and background in psychology as a discipline, also as a full-time trader, and you happen to mould those two interests into one often. Um, And I wanted to try and get your perspective on a few things because at the moment, um, emotions are high in markets Tying back to that theme of uncertainty that we were talking about, the volatility that comes from that, I kind of just wanted to pick your brain about your personal experience because I think often the uh, the best lessons come from listening to others' um, personal experiences about what they've gone through in a, in a particular endeavour. Um, but just just quickly, for those who aren't acquainted with your background, just um, your studies in psychology and also what you did as a trade full-time. I found some books on trading when I was doing the finance subjects and I just thoroughly enjoyed them. I really found economics interesting as well. Yeah. Um, I managed to be in a position where I could start trading full-time. So I went out and uh, did a lot of research on, on, I guess, the people that made the same mistakes before when Mm. they started trading, Mm. trying Mm. to learn from them. Mm. Um, I reached out, got a mentor as well, which is really important. Yeah. Yeah. did that for four years and I was able to trade uh, for those four years mm. uh, and actually be profitable, which yeah. was really good. The biggest issue I had was working um, by myself. Yeah. So I went back to uni and I was like, there's so much psychology behind this. And yeah. there definitely is. Like It's yeah. one of the biggest parts about it. Yeah. And I uh, did a psychology degree and ended up back on the trading type uh, mm. circuit where mm looking after clients, premium clients, um, yeah. and also, I guess, just helping people with yeah. understanding their, their trading and why they make trades. And Yeah, so it's like a level of counselling in a way, just sort of talking about why people are doing something in the market when, they're, when, when they are doing it and they can sort of voice their kind of rationale and try and, you know, clear their thoughts and maybe even crystallise an idea, which is interesting, I suppose. Absolutely. And the thing is, um, I mean, speaking to traders right now on this podcast, yeah. like all of you will you know when you're doing something that you shouldn't be. Yeah. Like you can just tell that, you know, you, you might have a stop on a position mm, mm. and it's going to get close to hit that stop. So you take the stop away. Yeah. Because that way you're not going to be wrong. And yeah. That's one of the biggest things is people hate being wrong. Humans yeah. hate being wrong. Yes. I don't like yeah. being wrong and I don't yeah. like losing money myself. Yes. yes. Um, but one thing that I learned is discipline. Yeah. Um, and one of the biggest things about discipline I found mm. is having a trading plan to begin with. Yes. And it's, you know, everyone thinks trading is quite sexy. Yep. And it can be, yep. especially when you've got those uh, wins. Yeah. And you can, you know, take people out and get something nice to eat mm, and shout mm, at your friends. Mm, That's mm. like one of the, the highlights of it. Yeah. But the non-sexy part, which is the serious part, is yep. actually sitting down at the very start. And this is what I luckily had a mentor who had mm. been through this before mm. and told me, do a trading plan. It's a business. Do a business plan yep. and yep. walk through how much you're willing to, to risk, yep. um, what your strategies are, yep. how long you're going to be doing this for, how much time per week to commit, yep. Yep. all these things which seem so, uh, in hindsight, so straightforward. You're like, oh, of course I would do that. It's intuitive, yeah. But there's a lot of people that don't. Mm. And they will jump into it. And I found myself, like when I first started trading without a mentor or without mm. having proper guidance, um, you could just put a trade on and yeah. you might be lucky, like based yeah. on yeah. the way the market's heading. And hunting. Hunting. Yeah. It's Have like a gamble hunting. if you want to. Exactly. Yeah. And 
that's why I think even I get a little bit annoyed when I talk to some friends of mine. Yeah. Especially when I watch trading, because it's not easy. Like, I'd no, be out at no. dinner and have to check my... Well, it shouldn't be either, right? Well, it shouldn't if, be. If you take that businessman psychology to it, I mm. mean, most businesses fail or go... You know, obviously trading's the same thing without effort and, and, and strategy, I would imagine. Exactly. And a lot of my friends would be like, oh, it's just gambling. And mm-hmm. I'd be like, no, it's not. Because you can is, treat it that way, it's gambling. You can treat it that way, it is, yeah. yeah. For me, it's not because, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, this is my trading plan. Mm. So you sit down and read the, you know, the, the four to six pages of that. Yeah. And then look at all my trades I've done. Yeah. Um, and this is how I go into each trade, like a mm. systematic process. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's one thing that I think stands out from all the traders that are yeah. successful that I've spoken to, that I've yeah. read about, that yeah. I've done myself, is that systematic, disciplined approach, which yeah. I guess boils down again to the mm. human psyche where yeah. Yeah. some habits are good, some habits are bad. Yeah. They all serve a purpose. Yeah. They all try to help us out some way. Cope with something or other. Exactly right, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, I know when I, I don't like losing money yeah. and there was a period where when I was tra- uh, increasing my sizes, mm. obviously when you'd have a running loss, like an open running loss, yeah. it would be larger than normal as well. Mm. And there was periods when I'd get quite anxious about mm. dealing with that. Yeah. yeah. So one thing I used to always do is if I found myself getting anxious about certain sizes that I was yeah. trading, I would wind back the size. So yeah. the next trade, yeah. I wouldn't be as large. Yeah. They call that the pillow test sometimes, don't they? If your yes. head can't hit the pillow and you fall asleep at night, then, yep. then there's something wrong. And that's so true. And mm. I speak to, uh, we're like a global company. Yeah. And I'll get clients uh, based in UK and mm. other parts of the world that should be asleep calling <laughs> me up. Yeah. And they'll be and like... We're in here early sometimes, people. These people are uh, out mm, at funny times. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, um, oh, whereabouts are you based? You sound like you're Australian. I'm like, yeah. I'm, Spot on, mate. Uh, yeah. yeah. In Melbourne, you know. So um, I'm like, oh, what... what Call, what makes you call in? And they're like, oh, I've got, got some trades that just aren't going my way. What, what should I do? And we can't give advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, can usually give like an idea of, okay, whereabouts are you going to get out? This yeah, trade keeps yeah. going south. And um, you'll tend to find that a lot of people will say things like, I've, I've taken the stop off. I had it mm. up in here. I would have been closed had I left it. Mm. And hindsight's twenty twenty. Yes. But one thing I always stuck with was, I go into a trade, I know what my risk-reward mm. ratio is going to be. Yep. If it hits my stop, that does hurt, it mm-hmm. does suck, mm-hmm. but it's always the next trade. I yep. can get ready yep. for that one. And yep. it might even be the same market. I might be mm. able to get in at a better price at a better time. Yeah. It's just dealing with that. Yeah. And yep. that's one of the hardest things as humans. We don't like being wrong. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's fantastic points. And I was going to ask you two or three extra points on just that, but you covered them off, which is... What do you do when you when you're um, starting off trading that that plan, having an understanding of your psychology, and then the challenge is going through the whole process as well. Like you said, you know, making sure that you're not sort of um, you know the frog, the proverbial frog in the in the beaker, perhaps, mm. um, where you're getting too anxious. You don't realise you're getting uh, anxious about something that you're doing, and having the self awareness to step back sometimes and going, hang on, this is not making me uh, feel good. This is probably too risky, and I shouldn't be doing this. Um, I was going to say quickly on that too, yeah. one of the most interesting pieces of advice I ever got was if mm. you could never pick which way a trend was or what was happening on the chart, because mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. get that consumed by it sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Um, ask a partner, sure. ask a, you know, a parent or yeah. Yeah. a friend, someone who's removed from the situation, yeah. and just say, you know, which way is this trend line going? Yeah. Yeah. And they usually will give you like a, oh, it's clear, it's going sideways. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah, of course sure. it is. I think that also applies to 
trading in terms of even mm. your positions, you probably mm. don't want to show people if you have a few open positions with running losses. Yeah. Um, you definitely will show them the ones that have yeah. closed off in yeah. the positive. Yeah. Yeah. But even get some uh, feedback from them. Mm. Like if mm. they're looking at it and they're like, gee, you seem to have a few more losing trades than you do yeah. um, you know, winning and the losses are larger than yeah. the winning ones, that straight away tells you that something's not right. Yeah. And you yeah. should really be looking at either your strategy again, yeah. which you can go through and change as you need to yeah. when it stops working. Um, but the risk-reward is one of the biggest things. Yeah. I, I keep going back to that. Yeah. You can be 50% right yeah. and you can still make money. You've got the, the right risk-reward. Yeah, reward. yeah, yeah. That's, that's brilliant. And just out, out from that too, that um, way to try and find a, a reference point in objectivity. Um, mm. And cutting through the noise and, and um, the sort of sensory overload that can come sometimes from just you know immersing yourself so much into it and it leads me to the final question i want to ask which was um quite fortuitous because i was looking on linkedin to something that uh, you liked this morning and it was about not being distracted by what happens in the financial media sometimes and i think some of the the uh, evocative language was smashed wiped out all these different things now, as a trader, particularly as a first-time trader too, because if you're in the market for long enough, you, you start to get to a sense that you know markets sometimes fall by 2% in a day and while a bit annoying, scary, perhaps it comes with a loss, um, doesn't necessarily mean we're heading to some sort of crisis. But as someone who's sat there um, and who's perhaps giving uh, a bit of a tidbit of information here to someone who's new to the market and he's seeing those sorts of headlines come up, and they do every six months or so. Mm. Um, what's your view on how to sort of cope with those and, and even just a little bit of a, um, uh, an exploration of, of, of what that all means and, and how does it play into your life as a trader? Potentially? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is noise mm. um, and a lot of it is even designed to give someone who perhaps isn't trading or um, not involved in the markets probably even a brief idea. Mm. And, and it mm. can be sensationalist. Yeah. And that does, I guess, sell... Um, that idea, whether it's you know, click, clicking onto that article yeah, yeah, and it leads yeah, you somewhere. Yeah. Um, for me, I would always have a, a daily plan, and this was part of my trading plan. I would each day, well, start of each week, I would look at the uh, economic calendar. Right. That was one thing that would guide me all the time, yep. and it would give me an idea of what to look out for. And I know that you do articles and um, mm-hmm. you know uh, crosses, and you'll talk about what's coming up. Yeah. I used to also, uh, I'd have my TV on in the background, mm-hmm. um, and I used to listen to the, the IG, um, you know, market uh, the market analysts yes. on the TV, um, you know, before I started working here. Yeah, yeah. And that's always a good idea to get like a, just a brief overview. Yeah, yeah. I'm not looking at it for trading recommendations. Yes. Um, like you'll hear sometimes analysts will say, and even uh, financial review, like I'll read mm-hmm. that, con- mm-hmm. you know, uh, consistently. And it, they'll always start off with like, you know, the, the Australia 200 looks like, ASX 200 looks like it's going to go up today yeah, based on yeah. this and that. And I'd never ever use that as no. like an idea and yeah. how to place my trade because it yeah. always come back down to what I see on the chart. Yeah. But in saying that, it's good to have some news uh, resources that you're mm. comfortable with. Yeah. Um, Twitter's become the, one of the biggest things. Yeah, the go-to. The course. go-to. Well, you got it right. And... You've obviously got like you know some influential people popping up on there, yes, uh, which is good to keep track of. But also you can subscribe to um, you know 
uh, tweeters such as yourself, yes. even. And I, I subscribe to you. Like it's. Uh, Thank you, Tom. Yeah, no, it's, no right. it's hard to get on there. It's like it's like a limited number, isn't it? It's, yeah, yeah, it's an exclusive group. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I'm, so I'm, I'm a media tart. Anyone can be involved. Oh, well, I'm just, I'm just very lucky. Yes. And uh, when it pops up, even in my job right now, if I get clients ringing me up saying, what's happening? Something's yeah. happened. That's that's my go-to. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of Twitter, a little bit of uh, news from trusted resources. Yes. And a lot of this stuff is actually in the new web trading platform that we've mm. got. It's mm. on the right-hand side where you can get all that through, stuff. it yeah. comes yeah. through. Absolutely. And that, that is a good point. And funnily enough, it you know it's a moral conflict that I have sometimes is you know making sure that um, the information you deliver is fairly objective, factual, and, and not too sensationalised. Because um, at the end of the day, it, it is infotainment more often not than not. It's uh, it's there for commercial benefit, and although interesting and should be listened to because it um, can give a bit of a, an understanding of the world, um, it's not necessarily something to use as uh, Firm foundations for analysis, unless you happen to be really good trading the news, which is bloody tough. It's bloody tough, yeah. But um, and even saying on that, jumping back to in the web trading platform, yeah. Uh, especially for our professional clients, and yeah. there are IG professional accounts that you can yeah. contact uh, one of us about. Yeah. But uh, the Real Vision, which is like Netflix yeah. for traders, yeah. that's just such a good resource. Yeah. Um, if you want to sign up at it to that outside of IG, yeah. it actually cost you a good chunk of cash. Yeah. And the reason is the people they have on there um, are just experts in their field. Yeah. And yeah. they've done all yeah. this. They've done all the wrong things, yeah. done the right things. And they've got and runs on the board, right? They do. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Well, that's, that's brilliant. Tom, thanks for uh, giving a bit of insight there and opening up uh, a little bit about what trading was like for you. Um, we'll leave that there, but um, more than just chatting markets, thanks for chatting market psychology with me. No problems anytime. And uh, if you've got any questions about anything, like I can definitely get more technical. Yeah. Uh, you know, dust off the old textbooks if you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Maybe we could do that one day. We'll, we'll come back with like uh, old old strategy trading plans and we can uh, ruminate on those. Yeah, come in with the uh, DSM yeah. 4 or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. it sounds great. I'll, uh, I'll, looking forward to it. Thanks, man. So that was Chatty Markets for another episode. Plenty of interesting things spoken, chatted about today and plenty to watch out for too because again, we've got those trade talks coming up this week uh, and they'll be very, very important for the global economic, important for the global economic outlook um, and how markets move into the back end of 2019. Now, make sure for more market updates uh, and content from IG, you do follow us on our socials. Make sure you follow IG on Instagram. Uh, make sure that you sign up to our Facebook page or, or follow our Facebook page as well. Follow me on Twitter too, Kyla at underscore IG. Uh, there I put on a lot of market updates too just to keep you ahead of the news. And also, like we spoke about during the podcast, uh, sign up to the webinar series that, uh, that Dave and Tom are running. It's very informative. We'll make sure that you're across all the news. But thanks for listening again to IG's podcast, Chatting Markets. Make sure that you also subscribe to that page. And if you have any questions or anything that you'd like to hear us talk about, please reach out. Thanks for listening again.